welcome back to the Sunday recap for episode 20-something. 23. 23. We've almost been on for six months, people. 23. That's amazing. I know. Well, hey, before we jump in today, we've got a few announcements we want to give you. We want to make sure you know about everything that's going on in our church because it's fall. Yeah. And when fall comes, everything happens. Everything. At the same (laughs) time. And... So, yeah, so we try to tell you about them. We try to throw this stuff out there, but sometimes things get lost in the shuffle. And so even as I'm sitting here, I got a text from somebody asking a question about one of the announcements we just made yesterday, (laughs) which is we are doing an all-church go-together sermon series, Bible study, D-group study, all-church, everybody going. Everyone moving in the same direction all together. Everybody. So what, what is that? What does yeah. that mean? Well, what I think is so cool about this is it's a, it's really a chance when right now when our whole church is, I'd say, a little bit disjointed. You know, people are watching for, uh, from home. People are uh, coming to church in service, uh, you know, in person. Uh, there's masks. There's no mask. Everyone's kind of going in their own direction. This is a chance to unify our church and to get everybody moving in the same direction, which I think is so cool. And um, it, it's really, I think, going to be a fantastic study. So, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic, because we are sitting here with the author now. Chris's uh, first book is being published. <laughs> You're going to start a rumor. No, no, no. <laughs> no but seriously, we, I mean, we've been working on this. Chris has been working on this study for months. We got we got a study that our D groups, our classes, our small groups, which are our D groups, everybody's going to be doing this study together. Yeah. Um, we're actually going to be flip-flopping it. We're going to be doing them before the sermon. Right. Which is super cool. And I love the concept of that because it allows people to deal with the text a little bit, wrestle with the text before they come and hear the sermon. So that's going to help all of us to be ready to hear the sermon when we come on Sunday mornings. So, yeah. yeah. So what are we studying? So the the passage is really on the first two chapters of Philippians, and it's really dealing with that we have a common um, mission together. We, have a, uh, we are partners with one another in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we have a common purpose, a common mission, uh, and we can move together to accomplish that mission for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So if you are not involved, say that you're not already in a D group, you're not in our women's Bible study, you're not joining our new men's Bible study, you need to get involved. Yes. Because, I mean, otherwise you're going to be sitting there on Sunday morning and everybody else is going to have these red notebooks and they're going to be, <laughs> they're going to be going along with us and you're going to be wondering what's up. So seven weeks, try one of the environments out. You can sign up on our website at stonescrossing.com slash go together, or you also should have received an email yesterday that you can just click on the link and sign up there. That's right. So, yep. And so, Ariel, uh, tell us too, because if if you're kind of wondering, I don't know exactly where to jump in quite yet, t- mm-hmm. give us give us a, a solution yeah. for what we can do for that. Yeah, I'd love to. So coming up this Sunday at 2 p.m., we have a Zoom call just for people who would like to have more information about our church and like to get to know our church better as a body. We just want to tell you some of the ways that you can get plugged in. We want to find out how you, um, what breaks your heart? What are you gifted at? How do, how do you want to serve the Lord and how can can we serve you better? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can learn more about that at stonescrossing.com forward slash be the church and, and join us on Sunday at 2 p.m. on that's a Zoom. Right. It's going to be with the three of us. It yeah. is. I mean, that's a great reason to do it, right? Man, I've seen the notes and I've got the opening prayer. Ooh, it's going to be fire. Opening day, opening prayer, first workshop of the year. Ooh, it's oh, going to be good. Yeah, but we are all about community and we do want to help you know that you're not alone. It's so easy to go unnoticed in this time right now where we're Mm -hmm. in the building, out of the building. So join us on that call and we want to help you um, be seen and known and loved. Cool. Yep. Hope to see you there. Yeah.
So guys, uh, we've been in the COVID quarantine, whatever situation this is for six months now. That's amazing. Six months. Um, in that time, uh, I know a lot of people are, are at home watching TV. Uh, have you guys watched any good shows while you've been at home watching, watching TV, anything like that? We are all about the syndication of Seinfeld and Friends. <laughs> nice. And it does, I guess we've seen Seinfeld probably like 25 times through, but. Oh yeah. yeah, we've been watching that. But I just started Psych again because oh, Psych is I, so it's, good. It's just each episode is so standalone. You can just jump in, yeah, grab into like the storyline, love it, and then move on if you want to, or you can binge it. Yeah, so love that show. Yeah, so for us, um, we watch a little bit of TV. I've been mm-hmm. basically catching any little bit of sports I can find on TV. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the first thing. Um, we've been watching All American, which a lot of people make fun of me for because it's kind of like a high school drama show. Okay, um, I haven't heard of it. But the the there's some really good like race relation stuff in there. Interesting okay. that that's like that. I really like that stuff of it, and it does have a little bit to do with football, so yeah. I like that. And it's Tay Diggs, and I like I think Tay Diggs <laughs> is awesome. So a lot of stuff like that that I like about it. We've been watching that. We just started a show the other day though mm-hmm. that is awesome this is a recommendation that came from shelby calvert okay and it's a new show on national geographic i believe uh-huh. so if you have like the disney disney thing, plus at disney plus it is a show that it's an i don't remember what it's called but it's an inside look at the zoos okay and how well they take care of their animals and it is awesome okay loved cool. it there's yeah. this there's this scene in one of the episodes last week we were gorilla it's his birthday and they make him this cake and they like the cake is like all these things he's supposed to like, and he like doesn't like it to the point that he just flips it over. And there's like a hundred people. while oh, I loved it. It was, it, was of, it was one of the best moments of TV I've seen in a while. That's wow. awesome. Something about a zoo. Don't know what it's really called. On okay, National Geographic. I'll have to look that up. You know what? What I think is interesting is so much of new TV right now it does deal a lot with racial relations, which mm-hmm. is which is really interesting and like people who are marginalized. Um, Eric and I watched this show. This it, it, it just season one is out right now. It was on TNT. It's called Snowpiercer. Mm, um, never heard of it. It's based off of a movie from a couple years ago, but this uh, series it has uh, Jennifer Connelly. And David Diggs, who David Diggs was, uh, he was in Hamilton, the original cast mm-hmm. of Hamilton, and it was it's a it's a really well done TV uh, series. But the the concept of it is that there's a thousand car long train, and the and this train and this is has everyone that's left in humanity is is on this train, but there's a class system that that's that's been created on this train where the people up front are the first class, there's a second class, there's a third class, and then there's these people that live in the tail who are kind of your like totally marginalized people that are just hanging out back there and they just throw them scraps and they get angry and they start this uprising. And it, it was just a fascinating show, but I thought it was just so interesting. Like how many shows are like that right now where it's talking about class and marginalization and racial relations and all that sort of stuff and how that really, I mean, honestly connects to what we're talking about today with this passage um, with Jesus healing the two blind men. Like these are two men who are so marginalized um, and you can see the way that they respond to their marginalization right here in, in, in the passage. Um, can we just take a minute, maybe read read the, the text here. This is Matthew 20, verses 29 through 34, this little tiny story uh, in the middle of the book of Matthew. Yep, I got it. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, 
Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Yeah. Let's just take a minute here and look at the text just a little bit, because I think there's some crazy things that are happening in here. Why do you think the two blind men, after the crowd silences them, cry out all the more? What's going on there? So Scott gave a really interesting perspective on this. He was talking about how um, when people are hurting, they often cry out. And he compared this to today right now where we have heard a lot of crying out across our country for various reasons, out of pain, out of suffering. Um, And so if these two guys have been living their whole life as blind or even a short period of time as blind, it doesn't tell us there, um, they know what pain feels like. They know what it feels like to be cast out. Um, they would have known that they couldn't worship in the temple because they their bodies were, were not intact, were not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would have known what it felt like to be shunned. Um, and the fact that the, the crowd tells them to shut up, basically, yeah. um, that they aren't worthy of, of the attention of this rabbi, that they just need to be quiet. Yeah. Um, so they cry out all the more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that definitely could be part of it. Um, the other thing that comes to mind for me is, is maybe an element of faith as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they, what, what I think is so fascinating, well, I want to get to this in a second, but they call him son of David. Yeah. So they, they cry out to him and they're like, you know, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. And they cry out even louder. And it's almost like they understand what's most important here. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, are the crowds more important or is the son of David here? You know, here mm-hmm. is God himself uh, approaching. And so they're, they're like crying out, ignoring what the society is saying, ignoring what the crowd is saying in order to really express faith in a lot of ways. I, I think there's, there's something there about that. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting too, you know, this whole sermon being about how to address the marginalized, Mm -hmm. you know, they're positioning themselves as being marginalized. Yeah. I mean, that's like the crowd, the crowd tells them that your cries aren't worthy of being heard. So silence yourself. Yeah. But then, then themselves, they're like to ask someone to have mercy on you Mm -hmm. is a different question than to say, Hey, can you help me? Heal me. Yeah. Yeah, Heal me. Fix me. Yeah. Hey, do you got any money to spare? It's a, it's a total different question. Like to say you're posturing yourself and saying like, Hey, I don't really deserve Yes. Anything you offer to me, mm-hmm. but please have mercy. I need it. Yeah. Have mm-hmm. mercy on me. Yeah. And so it's it's it's, a, it's a posture that they're positioning themselves in. That yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. That's cool. Let's talk about Son of David for a minute because they mentioned they mentioned that title twice. Mm-hmm. Um, what what does that mean? What's the significance of them saying Son of David? Well, all of the messianic prophecies that pointed to the seed of David being the Messiah. They recognize his lineage and know that he is a son of King David, yeah. that he's in the line. And so it's very likely that this is him. Mm-hmm. This is this is he. Yeah. Yeah. They they see the crowd, they hear the rumors. Again, keeping in mind that they're blind, you know, they're they're listening more than they're seeing anything. Yeah. You know, so to them, they're they're witnessing this crowd. They probably know what's going on because they're listening to murmuring, hearing mm-hmm. everybody. 
and they're like, this is this is likely the Messiah, as you right. said. So, right. so I think it's I think it's I mean that's that's the clear reference is that they're saying that this may be you know the one who can deliver us, can deliver those who are marginalized, deliver those you know who are caught in our troubles, um, and so they're they're taking their opportunity to cry yeah. for help. I, I think one of the things that 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 is that trips us up sometimes with this is often we like to jump, we we just so love to jump to application mm-hmm. all the yeah. time. You know, um, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? And so we end up uh, honestly, and, and this is where the sermon goes with it too. But you know, we we look at Jesus as the example, like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Now I think we can get there, but but I think that we always got to make sure that we that we don't miss a step, and the the step that we often miss is that. Uh, we, we are not Jesus in the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. In fact, if we're anybody in the story, we're the two blind men. Yeah, the blind men or we're the crowd or, or we're sitting there saying like, hey, that you're not worthy of this. This is this is yeah. my time. This is my time to listen to this message. Yeah. And I think that we have to realize that that we're the one that is in need of mercy. Yeah. You know, we're the one that's in need of, of this mercy that that they're crying out for here. Yeah. And it's, I think that's really important, Chris. So, like, so, so Scott later talks about in the first section, he he gives Psalm thirty four, verse seventeen. Yes, and he says, "When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles." Mm-hmm. So, while you know we are to look to Christ for our example, mm-hmm. you know, to live like in Christ likeness, but really, like the way that we get there is we see that the way that that Christ responds to those who cry out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so while you know we're looking at the scenario, and there's some in the crowd who are you know, trying to say, hey, quit talking, you know, you've got Christ willing to extend his mercy to these men. And we need to understand that that's what God's posture is like to those in the world. Yes. And then that drives our actions. Exactly. That drives our actions to say, okay, how can we be like, you know, Christ in this scenario only because we know that God offers this mercy to them. Yeah. And to us. Yes. Right. And to us. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't do that unless we've been changed and touched by the grace of God in that mm-hmm. same way. And so like Romans chapter eight is a really great example of this. Uh, when, when he says in verse, um, 28, uh, no, sorry, 29, um, for he, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And that's the whole, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing with this is that we are being formed into the image of Christ. And so when we, when we look at Christ as an example, we're seeing who we are, who, whose image we are made into or being made into, if that makes sense. And so, so as the spirit has regenerated our heart and, and begun to transform our, our minds, then we can start to act this way, but we can't get there without any of that stuff happening first. Yeah. 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 So let's look at Jesus' example in this. Um, you know, Scott pointed out, I think, four really great things from the text about Jesus' example of how love um, really, um, uh, how, how Jesus really loved them in the midst of this. So he said, love listens, love stops, love asks, and love does. So the first one was love listens. And um, can I just tell you, I, when, when I saw this one, how because I mean, he pulled it right from, you know, here's Jesus. Uh, compared to the crowd. The crowd is telling them to be silent, but Jesus is like, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen. Um, and I started thinking about my uncle Steve. Um, <laughs> so my uncle Steve, uh, he, he's a, he's a, he's a brilliant guy, really smart. He's, he's, a he's actually in marketing and, and, uh, does some stuff like that, like runs businesses and stuff. And what he, 
the reason why he was so successful at it was because he would he was so good at just listening. He would ask questions and he would listen. And what he told he told me the secret to it one day. And, and he's like, Here, here's what I always remember is that everyone's favorite topic of conversation is themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so if you just get them talking, then they feel loved mm -hmm. because you're, you're you're listening to their story, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's so true. I mean, because here's, I mean, this is what Jesus does. This is, you know, he's, he says what needs to be said, but he listens when, when people are hurting and he listens when, when uh, just in this situation itself. So, yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing, you know, Chris, that we need to remind ourselves of that if the God of the universe is willing to extend a listening ear, yeah. you know, in human flesh, like how, how willing one God's willing to extend that to us. So, so we know that to be, mm -hmm. a, to be a truth, mm -hmm. you know? So are we willing to listen to others? You know, yeah. and, and do we or do we jump to conclusions? And if we're not willing to listen to others, well, not only are we not, you know, embodying, you know, the person of Christ through us, but but even bigger than that, we're almost kind of denying this truth that God's willing to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Like we're saying that we're we're unwilling to hear somebody out. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest concerns with all the things we're dealing with in culture is that we're we are we know our positions. We're firm. We're unwilling to change. That's okay. Yeah. But even worse than that, you're even to the point where you're unwilling to hear the other side. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you don't you don't start any sort of reconciliation without understanding at least the perspective of where they're coming Absolutely. from. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I like what you said, Mitch, about uh, how this is something that God does for mm -hmm. us, and you can just see how. Um, how true that is. I mean, even from the very get go, let's just take prayer, for example. Yeah. Um, prayer is not something that's limited to a certain class of people, but that God listens to the prayers of everyone. And we see that in scripture over and over again, like the, the prayers of, of, of the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. Um, they all, <laughs> they all come to the Lord and lo the Lord does hear them. Um, what a level playing field we actually live <laughs> live on and how class really doesn't matter when it comes to those things of the kingdom. Well, the next thing that Scott said was that love stops. Love stops. So here Jesus uh, stops what he's doing, gives his time and attention to the two men. Uh, verse 32, he says, you know, and stopping, Jesus called to them and, and said, so, um, you know, one thing that, that Scott said in this, um, this is a quote from, I went to first service, so I wrote down the quote we said first service. But he said, uh, "If you're going to be used by God, you have to allow God to interrupt your day." Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I want to ask, how does this principle play out practically for us? I mean, I, I mean, this idea that we're too busy, we've got we've got so much going on. How do we how do we stop for people? How do we mm -hmm. make room in our life? Give give some margin in our life for for being able to stop. So it's funny. I was actually thinking about the other day. I was I was just processing the idea of this proverb um, in Proverbs sixteen nine, and it says, "The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps." And I was thinking about often um, what my life looks like right now, where I am a big planner. Like I, I love to map out my weeks. I have a digital calendar. If I'm in a really stressful season, I have a written calendar where I write everything out. And I want to stick to those things because mm -hmm. in my mind, that's what is, that's what keeps me the most effective. And we even talked about that last week, you mm -hmm. know, like when I don't have a plan, I, that's when I like fall into bad habits and I'm the most dangerous. 
But what I've really learned lately as I'm processing some of this is how I need to hold that plan looser. Mm-hmm. Like I need, I need to understand that, you know, while I can throw a plan out there, often my days are just going to get wrecked, Yeah, yeah. you know, in our long-term plans. I mean, thinking about our church, it's like, where are we going this fall? What are we going to do? What are our groups going to like? Yeah. We make all these plans and all these things and we think they're set in stone and then they get wrecked. Well, the problem is for many of us, including myself, it's like we're unwilling to let them get wrecked even in the daily matters. And it stresses us out when they do. It's yeah. like, it's like, why are things not going the way that I want? Absolutely. To? Yeah. And so it's, I can find myself, you know, walking somewhere and someone really needs to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to go to this meeting because mm-hmm. this is my plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'm ignoring is the opportunity that's in front of me that's sitting there to actually be there for someone, to listen to someone that is going to matter way more than my scheduled event is going to matter sure. that I planned when it happened on my calendar. And so I just I just think practically, Chris, that we have to have a willingness to say that our schedules may get thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. And I think COVID's kind of forced me to do that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now when I plan something, I'm like, well... This is our plan, but as we know, plans change. We'll right. see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but I think that has to yep. be our posture to the way that we live our daily lives, or else we're not going to have room for these opportunities and these things because we're not really planned. Those things aren't planned often. Mm-hmm. You're not all, you do have the every once in a while we are like, I'm going to meet with this person regularly and I'm going to help them or I want to grow in this area. So I want to learn, but more often than not, those are the things where somebody comes in and they wreck your plan mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to say, you know what? I'll let my plan get wrecked. Yeah. To sit here and listen to this person, to be there for them. Yeah. I think, I think that it's maybe not the most practical, but it's like that posture has to happen or Mm -hmm. you're never going to find these opportunities. I think the posture thing is, is important too, because it's like, how do you even get to that posture? Because at the end of the day, we, we want so much for our plans to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. We want so much for the things that we want for ourselves to happen. But um, ultimately what's happening there is, is there's a, there's a, uh, a mindset that has to change that changes from, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make my plans happen to, I want the kingdom to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I want the Lord's plans to take place. I, I, um, so I have a four-year-old son and we, every night he wants to pray. I, I taught him to pray the Lord's prayer. And, uh, and he, that's what he wants to pray every night. So we, every night we, we kneel down, we pray the, the Lord's prayer together and he, um, you know, every I'm, I'm just reminded of this every time that we do it. It's just because the first thing, one of the first things in there is, "May your kingdom come," mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm just reminded of like what Martin Luther said about it. Like 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 this is not about us establishing our kingdom, but it's about God um, bringing His kingdom here yeah. and how dependent we are on His kingdom and how much we need His kingdom to come. And so we're praying that his kingdom does come and it happens through his church, but it also is going to come when he returns as well. Um, and how, how huge that is, but that we would have this mindset that everything really is about the kingdom of God. And it's not about building our own human kingdom. Mm -hmm. So the third thing that Scott talked about is, uh, he said that love also asks. Um, so verse 32 says in stopping Jesus called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And he asks this, this big question. Um, one of the things that he said about this is kind of letting people, letting people drive the agenda, drive the conversation. Again, it reminds me of my uncle Steve a little bit <laughs> of, of the way that he ran things. Um, he did talk about the 410 bridge as, as an example of, of that. And 
maybe could 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 you just explain a little bit um, about the philosophy of the 410 Bridge and why why we like partnering with them? So 410 Bridge, they're an organization. They're in Africa. They're in Kenya. They're in Uganda. They're um, they're in Haiti, where we partner. And they go into communities and they work through the context of the local church to help the community meet what they deem to be their needs, which looks unique in each community. So the beginning process for 410 Bridge isn't to come in and to give our Western perspective and say, this is what your community needs. Mm-hmm. You know, here's how you're going to thrive, you know, business, commerce, like they don't, they don't, they don't approach things that way all. They walk in and they say, hey, you know, is there established leadership here? Then they meet with that leadership and they say, what does your community need? Mm -hmm. Which is so different. It sounds crazy, but it's so different than a lot of different foreign missions agencies operate because they show up and say, hey, we're here and you need a water well here. Or they show up and they say, hey, you need a school here or you need this business here or these coffee. And they they just tell them what to do. And again, at some level we have an expertise, but what we miss is that these are people that have lived here and their families have lived here for thousands of years, you know, hundreds of years they've been living here, you know, (laughs) and it's like, and we're ignoring their perspective on what their community needs. So step one is to sit with somebody and it's really powerful when you listen to somebody and you say, what do you, does your community need? Mm -hmm. What do you think the priorities are and how can we help you accomplish that? Um, Have you guys... I know you've been to yeah. Haiti, Mitch. Have you been? I've not there? been to Haiti. Not yet? Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to go sometime. Yeah. Go yeah. next yeah. fall. Yeah. Is there a trip <laughs> no, we kind have, of planned? Yeah. Chris, COVID. I yeah. know, I know. Ben makes yeah. his plans. The Lord's guides his steps. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have no plans yet. <laughs> but um, it, it is a really neat thing. I do recommend it. If you've never been on a mission trip uh, to Haiti or El Salvador, you got to do it sometime. But um, help us now to apply that principle then to maybe just personal interaction with other people. Okay, I'm going to ask this in a question form, but have you ever sat across from, and this is, I'm not asking you to, you can answer, but have you ever sat across from somebody and you know there's a question you need to ask them, but you're not willing to ask the question because one, you're either concerned where the conversation goes or you know that it means that you're going to have to help them in some way. (laughs) And, and, And I think, I think often we know that there's questions we need to ask. Uh-huh. Um, things that we need to say to somebody like, Hey, how can I, how can I help you with that? Uh-huh. You know, or like, mm, I noticed something and it concerns me what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we know by asking those questions that we're going to position ourselves in a spot that we're going to have to give something of ourselves to assist in this scenario. Yeah. And so I think we, av- sometimes we avoid those conversations. Yeah. I think we don't, we don't want to know what, what it takes to help them. We, we want to just kind of maybe be concerned in the background and not willing to say, hey, what can I do uh-huh. for you? Mm-hmm. That's if we get past the spot of being like, we're not just all talking about everything we have going on. Yeah. But yeah. What, you may be concerned and unwilling to ask. And so I think that's what's so powerful in saying like, hey, what do you need? Um, how can I help? What's going on? Um, it's going to get messy, but it's like, to me, I think it's <laughs> having the motivation to say, I'm willing to step into whatever the hard thing is. That's super convicting. And I think that it flows out of the the thing we just said before of being willing to make room in our schedule, because yeah. the reason we don't want to hear what they need be, is because we'd have to give up what we thought we were going to be doing mm-hmm. that we thought was better. How Christ-like is that, you know, to where Jesus, you know, God saw our need. Mm-hmm. And was willing to 
put on flesh and die for it and die for us to meet the need that we had. Um, Certainly we can, you know, as we become more like Christ, you know, as, as Romans eight is saying, as that, as that happens, that's part of who we become is, is, is we become people who are willing to lay down our own agendas and our own time and our own needs and our own things so that we could, step into those situations with other people and, and love them in a way that Christ loved. Uh, yeah. You know. And that's Jesus's question to them is what do you want me to do for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's more of a confession than anything, but yeah. it's like, often it's like, mm, I, I probably need to ask some people some questions to really help them walk through what they're going through. But I know by asking that question, I have to give something up of myself. And yeah. again, like, I think I think that would be maybe the greatest encouragement in this section is like you probably know what you need to ask people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you just need to create take the time, make the space in your life and be ready for whatever that, you know, what their response is gonna be to you on yeah. what you need to do. Absolutely. Well, the last thing that Scott said is that love does, and actually that's pretty much what we're saying here, is <laughs> is at the end of the day you gotta um do something about it. You know, don't just don't just make the promise, don't just ask the questions, but but there's there's something to do, um, and I don't think this is always as tough as we may, maybe maybe it seems. You know, sometimes it's something really simple, something really uh, tangible, uh, something like that. Um, I know. I, I'll just t- tell a little story. Uh, so when we when my family and I were living in Tucson, there was this uh, family that we got connected with, um, uh, husband and wife. And they became known as the cookie people because they would bake cookies for the, uh, all the, the different schools uh-huh. uh, in, in our district. And they would, I mean, literally hundreds, thousands of cookies, and they would bring them all to a school so that every teacher in that school got a plate full of cookies oh, that day. Yeah. And, and they would just do this on their own. Like th- this was just their like thing. So it was just very practical, very tangible. You know, it wasn't anything extravagant necessarily, but, but what a difference that made for those teachers who were really struggling and, and, and dealing with things. It was just a, a very tangible thing for them to do. So sometimes it does require us to sacrifice more, but, but other times it's, it's just about looking at, at someone and seeing how can, I, how can I love them today and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think, I think it can be a little bit of sacrifice, but I think it's having the posture of doing actions for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to share this this way, but because but it's just the only way I can really identify it. But I, I, I can remember seasons in my life where I needed something mm-hmm. from people, you know, where I was I was in a place. Not that I always need stuff, so but I clearly was hurting and I needed stuff from people. And every conversation I would walk into with people, what I would find was that they needed something from me, and then my focus would turn to being like I want to help them. And so I would start to listen to them, their problem, whatever it was. And, and we would never get around to my problem. Um, and, and that, that's what every conversation looked like, you know, and it's kind of what I was encouraging, you know, a couple of weeks ago was like, you need to find someone that was willing to just listen to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, sure. but, um, I think it's being aware of that, like being aware when you're going into conversations that like people may be looking for your help. They mm-hmm. may be looking for something from you. Um, and you know, just as much as you, they can, you can help them and they can help you. It's like, you need to, you know, be looking. Cause it's like, I sat there for months with some burdens waiting for somebody to ask me what's going on and didn't want to dump it on them. 
and nobody ever asked me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was just like month after month. It was like, oh, this guy, like, this will be the time we're here. And it's like, oh, nope. Okay. We're going to talk about his problems today. And I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. Like, again, I want to model Christ in that way for them. Like mm-hmm. I really do. But it was like, I'm like, I know there's gotta be a lot of people that are on the other side of the spectrum from time to time. And so it's like being willing to ask those questions to them. And then, as you said, we have to be people that follow up. Yeah. You know, n- nothing is worse than, than promising you're going to walk through something with someone or, you know, saying that I'm going to help in this way and then not doing it. Yeah. You know, so it's like yeah. you have to create those margin. You have to be prepared to say that this is what I can do. This is how I'm going to help. Um, and you have to think about it in perspective of everything else you have going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to be willing to say if we're going to do something for someone, we're going to do it. Yeah. That's why Ecclesiastes says that it's better not to vow mm-hmm. than than to vow and not and to not do not it. Do yeah. it. Um, I'm going to chime in here and say that in the mom world, it's really important to get intuitive about this. Really in, in, in the man world too, I'm sure. Because we um, Americans don't like to admit that we need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, first of all, asking is is a, a good first step. What they need, but if you find that you're not getting a a good clear response, then you might have to be a little intuitive and and see like, okay, this person is really struggling. They could use a meal, and just jumping in mm-hmm. and just trying, um, because there are some really practical ways to serve people in their loneliness or in their grief of just sitting with them or yeah. Um, yeah, providing small tangible needs. Um, I also loved how Scott pulled in Second Corinthians one three through four, which basically, you know, it reminds us that we have been comforted so that we can comfort others in their afflictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, whenever we're helping people, we're not taking on this posture of "Look, I've got this together, and I'm here to be your savior." Oh yeah, amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really reflecting the savior who has saved us. Um, and the whole reason he did was so that we would, we would be that light and pour it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. It gets into purpose. It's yes. like, it's like, so that, so now that you're standing in Christ, your purpose is to, you know, show the compassion of God to other people yeah. so that they see the compassion of God. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's giving purpose to our actions. And it's like, as you were saying, Chris, you know, that's the kingdom mindset that we need to have, you know, as we live throughout our day is that mindset, not building up our kingdom saying, well, how do I protect myself? How do I, you know, yes. it's, our mindset needs to be, nope, that's my primary yeah. identifier. Yeah. And the last thing I would say about this um, from the, hum- the human perspective, because we are broken, we know Jesus was not, but that when we get into this kind of mindset that we just want to help people, sometimes we tend to carry the baggage of transactional thought process. I'm going to help them because at some point I'm going to need to call in a favor Mm -hmm. and then they'll help me back. Mm -hmm. But really what Scott said this Sunday was what good is it to just love people who love you back? I mean, the world can do that. Yeah. But Christ called us to be different, um, that we love because he first loved us. And we are, we are taking on the role of servant rather than, uh, just another member of of society. There's a guy in our church that does that really well. Um, at least for me, he does that mm-hmm. really well. So, um, so he used to live in my neighborhood and there was a period of time where I, um, I had some surgery done. And so, um, he, he followed me home from church one day and he's like, Hey, 
And I didn't know who he was actually. It was actually a little, I was like, this is creepy. This guy's following me all the way home from church and he's pulling into my driveway and what is going on? And so he came up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, would you let me mow your lawn for you? And I was like, uh, what, <laughs> like, <laughs> who are you? And, uh, and so he, he, uh, he did that for me. And I mean, he's let me borrow tools and he's given me things. That's and awesome. like, I mean, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I, I told him the other day, actually, I'm like, you have to let me like do something back for you. And yeah. he's, he's like, no, man, I'm just so, I'm so glad that I could help you. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that's incredible. Just so cool. <laughs> so. I just, yeah, I love that because he was, he was new to the church at the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you hadn't met him. Oh, yet. you know who he is. Yeah. I yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we rarely tell a story in here that we've not heard before. Oh, <laughs> the, the that's also true. Yeah. And I just hold back the, the like urge to go, <laughs> I know this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one of the things we want to do for you, church, is kind of help you um, work through some harder questions that you may have about the faith and about theology. And um, we had one question this week that I thought was pertinent to, to address with you guys and so that you could maybe glean some information from this as well. Um, I had a friend ask me this week about um, a sermon that she heard on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, not from our church. Not from church. our church. <laughs> not from our church. And let me preface that. Um, but they were asking for a second set of ears just to help them discern, is this correct? Is this good theology? Um, and so what she was hearing is that the Holy Spirit was being taught as an it, and it was called the field of love between the Father and the Son and God's mystical workings in the world. Mm. Um, and so she was asking, is that truly what the Holy Spirit is? And Sounds I like be, the force. It does sound like the force, <laughs> and you're the second person to say that. Really? It's so interesting. <laughs> And so does that, um, does that matter when you hear someone say something like that from, from the pulpit and, um, and, you know, maybe we even follow up with what, what do you do with that when you're discerning something that's, that's possibly wrong? Yeah. I, I think your first question is really important because before we actually tackle the question on the Holy Spirit, it's just the idea of like being able to be discerning about, mm -hmm. about things that come up when, when we hear things, um, especially in a sermon, we want to make sure that. Um, the church that we're attending um, is biblically sound. I think. I think, you know, <laughs> this is just really funny because a lot of times when we go church shopping, you know, when we're looking for mm -hmm. a new church and things like that, we look for, okay, is the music good, or or yeah. do I like their coffee? Uh, do I can I or maybe it's something like, can I get connected here? Can I get into a group or things like that? But honestly, one of the first things that we should be looking at is, are they theologically and doctrinally sound? That's that's really the the biggest issue. So a question of you know when things like that come up in uh, a sermon uh, at a church that we're attending. Um, why is it important to be discerning? And I, and I think it's important just for the sake of like, you know, if this is our church community, we want to make sure that the, 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 the spiritual nourishment that we are receiving on Sunday morning from the word is accurate. Um, and there's different levels of that, of course, because there's certain things that are essential issues. There's mm -hmm. certain things that are non-essential issues. And so we can have grace with the non-essential things. Mm -hmm. But I think we want to make sure that the essential things are, are, are accurate. And if they are not essential, uh, or I'm sorry, if, if those essential things are not accurate, then we really need to consider moving to a different church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in this particular instance, we're talking about the Trinity, mm -hmm. the Godhead three in one. Um, and so when we hear the Holy Spirit taught as a, as a force or a field of love 
or as an it or an object, that is not a correct understanding of the triune God. Um, the Holy Spirit is actually the third person of the Godhead. Um, he's been eternal from all time, no beginning, no end. Um, we believe the God had existed from the very beginning in those three persons, three in one. Um, Mitch, you've read, um, you've read Delighting in the Trinity. Yeah, it's and phenomenal. Yeah. What would you say about, about the yeah, Spirit? Yeah, I think what you said is the first concerns is to reference the Holy Spirit as an it. Um, mm-hmm. It gives it this it gives it this picture of a force, um, these actions done by God, and it removes the um, descriptor as, as the third person of the Trinity. Um, right. And and I think I think that just sets us up for some dangerous um, some dangerous territory. Um, mm. I think it's also not inside. It's not scriptural, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so I, I think to me when you say that, I think that's that's the big concern. Um, but why, like as Chris was saying, I think this is so important because the Trinity, um, how we define those essential things, um, and this can be different for different people. Mm-hmm. But I tend to look at the Apostles' Creed. I yes. look at what's creedal, mm-hmm. and so the Trinity is clearly referenced um, in the Creed. So this is an essential teaching of the Church. Um, and so when we sway away from that at the most central level, um, at some point we have to draw lines and say, um, okay, is this Christian or yeah. is this something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once we start to put different language around the Trinity, um, again, and the language is the most important part, because as you're saying, that language forms how we view, how we interact with God. So if you have this idea in your mind that you know God's force is the Trinity, well, you might think that, you know, man, like, that me being saved from that wreck, you know, that could have something to do with God, you know, it does in some sense, but like is direct reaction to God's force flying in there and putting a, you know, you know a wall between you and whatever happens. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's, that, that removes it away from this picture of Absolutely. God and how he works. This is a, at that point, it's actually a completely different belief system. Yes. And that's why, I mean, I, I would say to your friend, um, that what's being taught there is heresy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't throw that word around yeah. lightly, um, but but this is a first order issue because we're dealing with the person of of, of God. We're dealing with with who God is mm-hmm. and His very identity. And so, if we're saying that God is is not Trinitarian, if he's if he's um, if there's just you know two persons of the Trinity, and then there's this active yeah, force, and, and that's that's the other that's the other big statement that I think is an issue. Sorry to yeah. cut in. Is is that not only are we saying that the Trinity is not a is not a person, we're calling it an it. Yeah, we are now removing. Sorry, not the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We are removing the Holy Spirit from the Trinity mm-hmm. and making him just something between the inner workings of the Father and the Son. That's right, and that is um, greatly minimizing. Um, one, the role of the Holy Spirit, but completely making it something else. Yeah, I, I would say exactly. That's exactly right. It's a different God at mm-hmm. that point, and mm-hmm. I, and I would say that at that point you're 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 entering into uh, heresy. Right. Uh, so right. so yeah. So so what do you do with that? I think is the next question. Yes. Let me mm-hmm. let me like start to address some of that. So um, the first thing I want to say is like anybody who's ever preached has said some things they don't mean sometimes and some things that they right. wish they didn't say. Right. So yeah, I, uh, I have mentioned. Yeah. So I, I listened back to myself one time. I think Chris remembers this and I kept playing this one line that I said, I don't even remember what it was, I but remember. I was like, that's not good. Like that's wrong. Like, why did I say that that way? Yeah. Like that was totally, totally the wrong, wrong way to say that. Right. So, so the first thing is to know that like, and when you're listening to anybody preach, um, that they are not without error in their approach, that that they are um, a man, 
<laughs> you know, and they are preaching a message to you that will be fallible in some sense. Yeah. Um, so recognize that. But when you have concern, you need to um, recognize that you have the total freedom to address that concern with them. Yes. Um, I think we have this idea that it's like, mm, I can't ask him about what he said. We would welcome that. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, most yeah. of the time we give a sermon on Sunday and then we don't talk about it again, you know, other than a few thank yous ever, ever. again. <laughs> it's like we would love to dig deeper mm-hmm. into the text with you. And so my, your first step would be I would address it with your pastor. I would yes. say, hey, I, I had I jotted out in some of these notes. Can you explain to me what you're saying here? Yeah. Hey, yeah. here's my concern. Um, do you, do you see these same concerns? Um, and if that point he's like, no, I think it's something else. You know, maybe I've had some new learning. Maybe I've seen some, maybe I'm seeing it different. I would say, okay, I think this is a real problem. Right. And, and, and the worst thing to do is to just dip. Yeah. Just to disappear. You got to communicate with your church leadership about those, those questions. And, and if you plan to leave, let them know. Yeah. And, and, and let them know why. Yeah. Um, Cause it helps them operate with clarity, but it also helps them establish, Hey, is this something that's becoming a pattern or is mm-hmm. this something that we need to address in the future? And so you need to have that conversation with your, con- with your congregation. Now, again, I know sometimes we're like, but I don't have all those answers. It's like the questions yeah. are good enough. <laughs> Ask the questions and try to start to search and try to get more answers around this topic for yourself. Um, but again, as Chris said, if it's something where they're like, I'm holding to that belief, mm-hmm. this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. What I said is what it is. Um, it's like, yeah, that's, that's heretical. <laughs> and, yeah. and again, those first level things. So, you know, there's, there's, there's level one, which are the things that make us Christian or make us not Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like the level two, which are like, these are what decide denominations and all these different yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is in level one. Th- yes. And so level one is like, that's a, that's a direct, okay, I've got to work through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the the information and also the advice on how to handle it. The the amazing thing about being local and part of a local church is getting to approach that because n- not every teacher or pastor is uncorrectable, you know. And it, oh, if absolutely. if you look at Apollos in in the scriptures and you see that he was instructed by Paul, so he should have been really good at preaching the gospel, right? Uh, did I get the right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 uh, Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside and they explain right. the things of God more clearly to him. And then he moves on his way and he preaches more. So that's right. That's what we're created to do is to instruct and, and sharpen each other. And yes. so, so yeah, I'm glad that you guys mentioned that. Thanks for the advice, guys. Yeah. It's fun cool. stuff. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening this week on the Sunday Recap. Next week, we're going to be uh, discussing racism a little bit more. Uh, we On Sunday, we have Adrian Burden coming yes. to uh, to preach to us and talk about his experience with racism. And then we're going to we're going to dig into that a little bit next week on the Sunday Recap. Mm-hmm.